Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Going into our message today, this is our, our final message in this series we've been calling Fully Engaged, looking in, at the Beatitudes. And the, the one we're talking about today, this is a little bit more, probably the most difficult one for me in terms of putting together a message on this one. Um, we, we know that no, nobody likes to suffer. Every single one of us, uh, when it comes to the idea of suffering, we don't like it. But we also know there's kind of this not-so-hidden secret that there's something about suffering that we know kind of maybe sometimes makes us better in some ways. Um, I, I don't know why this has become a fad, but uh, lately, I don't know if you see it on, on Facebook or different areas, but people are doing all these ice-cold baths type of thing, and it's like really, really cold. Um, I guess that there's uh, like stuff that that actually can do for your body that's good. I was looking at what, what are some of the benefits of, of taking an ice bath. Um, says that you can have better sleep patterns, a boost in your immune system, uh, eases sore muscles and it decreases inflammation, it boosts circulation, possibly even reduces anxiety and depression. So you hear that and some of you are like, I'm doing ice baths. No, you're not. They are awful. They're the worst things ever. Um, now, I started, see, before this became a fad, I, I had heard that maybe like cold water is kind of good for you. So at the end of my shower every morning, I started doing this where like for 15 seconds, I'm just blasting cold, cold, cold water. And like, I've been on top of this for a long time, you guys. That's why I'm so healthy, right? Um, I've gotten to the point where lately, like I'm stretching, it's like 45 seconds a minute. And sometimes I tell my wife about it. She's like, that just sounds dumb to... You got this nice warm shower for 10 minutes and then you get really, really cold for a minute. That just doesn't sound stupid. And I agree. But I will say, I get out of the shower and I feel more refreshed for some reason. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's like taking years off of the aging process for me. And so life is really good when you do it. Uh, there's something about suffering that makes us feel good. It's like we, if, if I suffer in some way, oh, this is going to help me somehow. There's also such a thing as suffering for something that's bigger than you. I got a friend who tells a story about these, these huge tunas, like 15-foot-long tunas that um, these researchers would, would catch them and then they would tag them. And these tunas are worth like $10,000 each, I guess. He's saying, you know, when, when the tuna is caught and they get tagged, he's not thinking it's a really good day. It, it hurts. But, but what he doesn't really, really understand, because he's a tuna, is that the researchers are doing this for their good. They want to figure out kind of what the, the habitat is and how they can help these tuna survive in the water better. Um, but the tuna gets caught and they're getting tagged and they're thinking, oh, this hurts. This is awful. I don't know. I, we can't know exactly how the tunas think or what language they're thinking in, but I think it sounds a little bit like that. Um, they don't like it. We don't like things if we don't see the good in what, why we're suffering. It is really, really difficult for us to actually look forward to the suffering. And as people, um, I think it's across the board. Again, we don't want to suffer. And we come into this, this passage that we're going to look at today, and Jesus talks a little bit about suffering through persecution. What if Jesus is telling us a kind of suffering that can bring us into a unique connection with him? What if there is 
a suffering that actually brings about a reward. Maybe it's not a reward that we see right now, but maybe it's a reward that, that carries on into a, uh, in, in eternity. Could there be that kind of reward? And you're probably thinking that that kind of reward sounds about as fun as that, that tuna getting tagged and, and it hurting. It, no matter what, suffering is going to hurt. But Jesus finishes off these Beatitudes talking through this statement of persecution. He says that there's a persecution that can actually bring people a blessing. You know, persecution is, is receiving hostility or ill treatment for something that, that you think or some way that you are. And so Jesus is saying, as Christians, maybe there is a blessing in persecution. And this beatitude, I'll be honest, it feels a lot different than the first seven we've looked at. For the last three weeks, we've been looking at the first seven beatitudes. And to me, every single one of them, they sound really difficult, hard to, to live out. But they're also like, that's an attitude that I actually think I want to become more like. It sounds good. And then you listen to this beatitude and it's like, uh-uh. Like this one, this one just sounds really hard, period. So as a review, the seven attitudes that Jesus so far has told us about, that's good attitudes for us to take on. People who Jesus says will be blessed do the following. Number one, depend fully on God for all things. Two, truly regret their mistakes and try to grow from them. Three, submit fully to God without resisting him. Four, desperately live, long to live a holy life. Number five, people who are forgiving and compassionate with others because they realize they themselves aren't perfect. Number six, they're honest and moral, putting God first in their hearts. Number seven, they make peace with other people rather than making drama and fighting. You see, all seven of those things, you read them and you're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. That would make me a better person. I'd love to go after that attitude, Jesus. And then we get to this one. I'm telling you, number eight, it's, it's different to hear, it's different to talk about. Starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's be upfront about this beatitude. And, and really, it's kind of a double beatitude. There's sort of two things about this beatitude that Jesus says. But um, being upfront about this, this is something that Jesus actually experienced throughout his life. From the very beginning of his life, Jesus was experiencing what persecution looked like. Uh, when he was born, you know, remember talking through the Christmas story, the wise men, they come to the king and they're like, hey, we're looking for this baby king. And King gets mad, so he wants to kill every single kid two years or younger in Bethlehem. And so Jesus' parents, based on that persecution alone, had to, to flee with Jesus and go into the country of Egypt. And then Jesus, as he's going through his ministry ages, he was often misunderstood, or he was actually fully understood, and he was despised for what it was that he was saying. The religious leaders, they wanted to dispose of him however they could. Finally, his own friend, Judas, betrayed him. And Jesus was stripped naked, and he was beaten, and he was nailed to a cross. Jesus endured the worst kind of persecution that any of us could ever imagine. But what he also did is he also told his followers, you are also going to endure persecution. You see, throughout history, standing on the name of Jesus has been a violent thing to do. 
It's been volatile for people standing on the name of Jesus. Jesus made a really uninviting declaration to his followers before he left him. He essentially said, the world is going to despise you because of me. John chapter 15, he's talking to his followers and he says this, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. This is a really, really good gospel message to get people saved, right? Nobody wants, this is like bad leadership 101 from Jesus. You're telling everybody, like, if you follow me, life's going to really stink. It reminds me of being in choir and in band as a kid. It was, there was, maybe you came from a school where it was popular. I know Quint, his band was really cool at Blue Light Memorial, their jazz band. They were cool kids. For me, middle school, I was in a choir. It was me and maybe one or two boys and like 20 girls. Now, you might be thinking, hey, you're in a class with 20 girls. That sounds cool. Yeah, but I had friends. And those friends of mine ridiculed me to no end because I was in a choir. Then I got into high school and I was in band. I was a saxophone player. Not as good as Quinn at all. I was actually really not that good at all. Um, and so I'm, I'm in that for like a year and a half. And finally I'm like, mom, I can't stand this anymore. I am not cool. She's like, well, there's a lot of reasons you're not cool. I'm like, okay. <laughs> My mom actually would say that to me. I'm just saying. Uh, we don't love the idea of being the unpopular one. But if you've ever whined and complained that the world is against Christians and Christianity, then you better look again at what you got yourself into. We were not promised to be the popular kids. And that's okay. It's okay. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of sick of us as Christians whining that like, oh, we have it so bad. No, you don't. We don't have it so bad. We have Jesus. That is good. And so let's kind of cut down on the whining and complaining when we feel that coming on. Because um, on the other hand, while... While we could be whining and complaining about, about our place in the world as Christians, it's really small-minded when you think about the history of what Christians have actually gone through. The people that Jesus was talking to in the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5 and then in John chapter 15 when he was talking near the end of his life to his followers, these people, Jesus knew they were going to meet really, really violent deaths, a lot of them. It was not going to be pretty for a lot of them. You look at the 12 disciples. Now, first you have Judas. Judas, obviously, after he betrayed Jesus, he went off and he actually killed himself. But then you've got 11 other ones who faced awful persecution to the point of death. John is the only one of the, the other 12, the other 11, who, who was not martyred for his faith. You might be like, well, John had easy. He was put in a vat of boiling oil and he still lived because of his faith. They did that to him because of his faith. The other 10, they all died for their faith. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was skinned alive and crucified. James was beheaded. The other James was thrown from the height of the temple and then stoned. Jude was beaten to death with a club. Matthew was speared to the ground. Peter crucified upside down by his request because he didn't want to die the exact same way that Jesus did. He didn't feel he was worthy for that. Simon was crucified. Philip tortured and hung upside down. Thomas thrust by a spear. That sounds awful. That is gruesome what happened to these earlier, earliest followers of Jesus. 
And all these guys were warned about what could actually happen to them for following Jesus. And the craziest part of it is this. The disciples still chose to follow Jesus even though they were warned about what it might lead to. This is an awesome testimony about the, the reality of who Jesus is. Actually, when I was in college, I, I, I talk about this with our youth a lot. I went through one, like a one-month stretch in my life where I started to doubt my faith. I had a crisis of faith. And the thing that actually, one of the things that brought me back to, okay, I feel secure about this, was I looked at how the, the earliest followers of Jesus, what they were willing to do for his name, they all went to their death because of Jesus. That's telling me something amazing about who this Jesus really was, that they believed in it so hard. And so it, it gets us to think in this, what am I, what length am I willing to go to proclaim the name of Jesus? What length am I willing to go for the name of Jesus? I think it's a good thing for all of us to think about. I think it's also important that we work out the distinctions here of why someone might be persecuted for their faith. Verse 10, Jesus talks about persecution because of righteousness. I think that needs to be, be clarified a little bit in particular this morning. Um, as you might guess, uh, if, if you're living out your life and you think that righteousness means that I have to go and tell everybody what's right and what's wrong, standing up for what's right and what's wrong, that you are behaving in bad ways and you're behaving in good ways and I'm standing up for, for that. And I'm, As you might guess, living that way, it actually can kind of make people mad sometimes. I'm actually not sure that this is the kind of righteousness that Jesus is talking about here, that you're just telling everybody how they should behave. Now, I think that there are times when, yes, as Christians, we call to attention what is right and what is wrong. But I just don't believe that that is our main job as, as believers in Jesus. Jesus did not make a habit of walking around the earth telling people all the bad things that they were doing. He actually was, he's actually a lot different than that if you look in Scripture. It was how he, it was how he lived that proclaimed the right way to live. He loved people the right way, and what happened is it endeared him to them, and then doors were open for him to actually talk to people about the right and wrong that they were living in. Now, there's a story, and I probably bring this up, I don't know, I probably bring it up five times a year in a sermon, because I think it is the ultimate story of how we are to interact with people who don't know Jesus. And it's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. I think it is the perfect example of how you and I are called to talk to people. And Jesus, what happened is he came to a well in the middle of the day one time. And, and nobody would come to the well in the middle of the day. It's too hot, except for the people who are the, the social outcasts. And one woman came to the well that day. And, and Jesus surprised her with something that she never heard before. She's a Samaritan woman. And Jew, a Jewish man, Jesus, called out to her and said, Hey, can you give me some water? And she was stunned by this. She's like, nobody, nobody would talk to me, especially you, a Jewish man. And what's interesting is Jesus actually knew before he even started talking to this woman that she was a woman who had been divorced five times. And right now she was actually living with another man who was the, the sixth man she wasn't even married to. Jesus knew all that. And he didn't talk about that. He just started to talk to her. He asked her for water. And, and then when she was surprised by that, he was like, you know, if you would have known who I was, you would have actually asked for living water. In fact, I'll, I'll read the passage. In John chapter 4, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
he didn't start off the conversation with her by saying, hey, you, are, you have been divorced five times. You need to get your life together. Sometimes that's how we think that we're going to get people to Jesus. Tell them how to behave. Tell them how they need to start to live their life to look more like Jesus. That's not it. He said right up front, essentially what he said is, hey woman, you need me. You need the love that I have to give, which is perfect. And when you find that love, you're going to realize it was the thing that you were looking for all the time. It's the thing that you were looking for when you had those, those five failed marriages. If you just figure out my love, you're going to figure it out. Jesus did not persecute this woman because of her immoral and unrighteous life. He loved her in hopes that his righteousness would start to rub off on her. Persecuting others over what we see as ungodly living, as immoral living, it doesn't win people over to Jesus. So here's what I think one of the things that we need to hear today when it comes to this idea of being persecuted as Christians. A lot of us think that we are being persecuted when in fact we are not being persecuted. It is nothing, it is nothing like persecution. Sometimes we've just told the world all the ways that we think that they should act and then we get upset because they got mad at us. Telling the world how they should live and telling the world about Jesus are two very, very different things. And the best way to tell people about Jesus is to love them like Jesus loves them. Not by telling them how they're supposed to behave. If there is one thing that I'm going to say this morning that I hope it sinks in, I hope you hear it out, it's what's about to go up on the screen right now. We get frustrated and feel persecuted because the world doesn't want to hear our version of what's right and what's wrong. But we're the ones often at fault because we haven't loved them well enough to earn the right to share our thoughts on the matter. We have to love people well. When we try just to change behavior, it doesn't work. And in fact, when we try to change people's behavior and get them to look like Jesus before they've actually given their lives over to Jesus, guess what? It kind of does the reverse opposite effect. They get upset. They get mad. If you're feeling pushed back against in the way that you are talking to people about your faith, we need to ask ourselves a question this morning. Have I told them how they should be trying to live or have I showed them the way of Jesus by the way I'm trying to live? Have I told them how they should live? Here's the thing. Some of you, you got family members and you're thinking, man, my family, they just... They never, they never respect my faith. They just, they're down on me about my faith. Ask yourself, are you just going to them and always telling them all the things that they're doing wrong and how they should be changing their lives? Because nobody wants to hear that. People need to be loved before we've earned the right to be able to tell them how maybe life could be lived better. And that's a really hard thing to do because sometimes we see, man, I, your life would be a lot easier if you, if you live this way. People need Jesus. People need to hear about Jesus. But showing them how we live for Jesus does a lot more usually than telling them how they should be living for Jesus. When Jesus talked about, about being persecuted because of righteousness, he really wasn't saying anything about being persecuted because we've stepped up and told the world all the ways that we think that they're right and, they're, and that they're wrong. It really has to do more with being persecuted because as a follower of Jesus, the way that you live your own righteous life, sometimes people don't like that. People don't even like seeing you do things a certain way. I didn't, I didn't drink alcohol in high school, and I got ridiculed for it. 
People are like, you're kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, no, no kidding. Everybody knows that. There's a guy named A.C. Green. I uh, played basketball in the NBA for the L.A. Lakers back in the 80s. And I love the story about A.C. Green because in a time where he was, he was in this locker room with all these guys who were honestly going out and finding a new woman every night, he publicly came out and told the world that he was a virgin and he was going to stay a virgin until he got married. And he went through his whole NBA career as, as a, an unmarried man. Didn't get married until I think a year or two after his NBA career. And you've got to believe that when he was in that locker room with those guys, there was ridicule that was happening. They were poking fun at him oftentimes, saying things. But what I love about A.C. Green was he didn't go around the locker room telling all the guys, here's how you, got, you should be living your life. He just went out and he did things the right way that he knew was right. He showed people how he thought Jesus was asking him to live. And I also believe this. While there might have been some ridicule and some persecution that went along with it, man, he was a great teammate and people respected him. At the end of his career, he was a respected man. And I think this, what was, what was a better way for A.C. Green to bear witness to what he thought was the right way to live? Was it to go around and tell everybody how they should be living? Or was it to just simply go out and actually live the way that he was thinking was the right way to live? Your life actions will speak so much more to people than you going and telling them what's right, and what's right and what's wrong. Honestly, I've seen far too many Christians kind of get what they think is persecution and not realize that the persecution isn't for the reason that they maybe thought it was. A lot of times we get persecuted because we've been foolish in how we've gone about trying to tell other people about Jesus. Maybe you've got some people that are coming down on you because, because of the way that you've been trying to share your faith with them. But to do so, sometimes we get in their faces and we're like, if you don't change, if you don't change your life, you're, just, you're, you're going to hell. Well, guess what? I'd probably be right there along with that person saying, you maybe should change your approach. We need to be careful about the approach we take with people. Are we loving people the way that Jesus loved this woman at the well? If you're going to be persecuted for something, it should be because you've spoken your mind about who Jesus is to you. That is the most beautiful way that we can share Jesus with people. How has Jesus changed your life? Telling people how they should live, a lot of times, not your business. Telling people the goodness of Jesus, what Jesus has actually done in you, that is good every single time. And again, what, what are the chances of one of those ways working out better than the other? Tell you when, you, when you tell people about the good that Jesus has done in you, it works so much more. Some people have said it this way, as Christians, we should be more about telling people what we're for than about telling people what we're against. I think too many times we are telling the world all the things that we're against instead of the beauty of what we're for. We are for the grace and the mercy and the love of God that we find in Jesus. We are for God's power and his ability to transform lives, especially the life in me that he's transformed. I'm telling you, when you tell people the difference that Jesus has made in your life, it is hard to argue with it. I have never had a person when I've said, here's, here's the way that I feel Jesus has worked in me. Nobody's ever been like, that's awful. Usually they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. They've heard something good. We're not, 
We're not against people who don't know Jesus. We are for them finding out who he is. And we should want to do whatever we can to keep the things that get in the way of that from getting in the way of that. Especially my judgment of those people. If people realize and see that you are judging them before anything comes, comes to, into a relationship, you're not going to be able to, to, to help them see who Jesus is. I think scripture is really, really clear that we should be people as, as believers. If there's another believer who is struggling with something and we see that, there is an accountability thing that should take place between believers. That, that's talked about quite a few times. But I tell you, especially people who don't know Jesus, let me go, go back. Even when we're talking to a Christian about something that we think that they're doing wrong, we probably should talk about that with some grace. We've always got to be careful about trying to change people's behavior. Because the moment you start trying to change someone's behavior, you're getting into a really dangerous territory where you, they may shut you out completely. We do that with our kids. And yes, we have to help our kids change behavior sometimes. But it is such a fine line. And sometimes we have to even pull back. And it's the hardest thing as a parent to pull back when you see behavior that needs to be changed. But sometimes I got to pull back so that I can show them the love of Jesus in such a way that they'll actually be willing to hear what I have to say about the behavior. Same thing when it comes to our relationships with believers. But when it comes to relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus, behavior almost isn't even a part of the equation yet. They've got to see who Jesus is, and they see that by me sharing who Jesus is, what he's done in my life. And there's a second part to this beatitude, starting in verse 11. Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What Jesus is saying here is the reason people should persecute you is not because of you, it's because of me. Jesus is the reason that we are to be persecuted. If you share your story with Jesus and somebody ridicules you for it, awesome. Jesus is actually saying here, rejoice because you've actually just gotten a reward in heaven. It doesn't feel good, probably, for some of you to like, yeah, I really don't believe in that, in that stuff and that's like, you're crazy for believing it. It doesn't feel good to hear that, but rejoice because you know what? You've done, you've done your job. You've proclaimed the good news about Jesus a little bit. That's what we're called to do. If you're going to open your mouth and witness for Jesus, let it be something good and positive. Why as, as believers would we witness in a way that is, that is negative and, and, and being down on other people? Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Putting others down, telling them that they're not good enough. That is not our job. Our job is simply to lift up the name of Jesus. And if that message isn't taken kindly to, okay. Totally fine. This beatitude is, is actually kind of hard to talk about. Uh, Jesus, he is not sanctioning torture and martyrdom as a way for us to, to gain favor with God. It's not what he's doing. Truth is, is he was talking to people that he knew specifically were going to endure persecution in a way that you and I right now don't. There are people in our world today who do endure persecution to the point of being killed for their faith. You and I, were not struggling with that kind of thing. Now, so if you're sitting here going, oh man, I'm just, I am not persecuted for my faith enough. I should go be kind of a, like a jerk for a while about my faith so people will get mad at me. That's not, don't do it. Like, just stay away from that. 
You're not going out trying to find ways to be persecuted for your faith. It doesn't gain you favor with God. But we should be aware that Jesus is telling us, don't back away. Don't back away from those moments where you could be talking about your Savior, Jesus. Don't be scared in those moments where your heart starts racing and you're like, I know I could say something about Jesus right now, but I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I want to. He's saying, take the time, take the moment. I asked the question earlier, what length am I willing to go to proclaim the name of Jesus? You look at the 12 disciples or you look at 11 of the disciples. They were willing to go to death to proclaim the name of Jesus. Again, you and I, by by and large, we don't face that threat in America. Maybe there will be a day, but we don't. Number one, could we stop whining and complaining like the, the world is so bad for us as Christians? It's not. You have, you have a savior that you follow who died for you, who gave you redemption and forgiveness. We should be the most joyous people. People should look at us and be like, that's what I want to be. And if that's not how we're coming across, we need to ask God to change that heart and that attitude in us. Jesus died for us. He took on the cost of your sin and my sin on himself and he gave us his perfection freely. Following him is worth whatever it is going to cost us. Even if it costs us death one day. Even if it's going to cost us death one day, it's worth it. Do you find yourself that committed to your faith in Jesus? There is no question in my mind the most important thing that you or I are ever going to do is choose to follow the name of Jesus. And how we choose to follow Jesus also matters. Are you, are you as a Christian, do you think it's your job to go out and tell everybody all the ways that they should behave? Or do you think it's your job to, to shine light in other people's lives about what Jesus has done in you? It's so much easier for me to tell people what Jesus has done in me than to try to make them become more like Jesus. People who Jesus says will be blessed do the following. They endure persecu- persecution because they choose to exhibit godly character and to tell people about the goodness of Jesus rather than taking the easy way out. Every day you and I have an opportunity to take the easy way out and to not put our faith out there for people to know. But if we are not putting our faith out there for people to know, even in little and small ways, how is anybody gonna know? Jesus is saying it is worth being persecuted once in a while if it means that somebody's gonna know who I am. Maybe something we've talked about today is sticking out in your mind more than other things. We've been talking about it all all series long. All of us have next steps that we need to take. Next steps to become fully engaged with Jesus in a way where we begin to live out these attitudes, these beatitudes that Jesus has called us to live. And when we fully engage with Jesus, we begin to learn how Jesus treats people and we begin to love people the way that Jesus loves people. We're going to fail at it sometimes, but Consistently, we're going to become more what Jesus wants us to be to the people around us. And so I'm going to ask you again today, what is the next step that Jesus is calling you to? The next step might be that you've never, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've even tried to behave in a different way. You've tried to modify your behavior to be more like him, but you've never surrendered your heart and said, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for taking my sin. Maybe that's what you need to do today. 
Maybe you need to, to, to go out in our lobby and look at some of the areas where you can serve at church. Maybe God is calling you to, to serve more, to step out in faith, to do something with your faith. Maybe, um, maybe God's calling you to small groups or to, to read your Bible and, and hear God's word for yourself or pray every day. Or maybe he's talking to you something more specific about what we've talked about today. Maybe your next step is to stop trying to force someone in your life to make the changes that they simply are not ready to make yet. Sometimes we have to give people and their decisions over to God and trust Him with it. Sometimes we need to show them who Jesus is first before trying to make them look like Jesus looked. Maybe you realize that you haven't been willing to tell people somebody about what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe, maybe you're just afraid. There's those moments where you're like, man, I could, I could tell him something about Jesus right now, but I feel weird about it. Maybe your next step is to make a, a commitment and say, God, I want you to help me every single day this week. I want one time, I want to say something good about you. There's plenty of next steps that we could be taking. Um, I believe God has something for each and every one of us. And, and I even believe that he's speaking that to you right now. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.